From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, anxiety mounts as we still have questions about Binance and wonder about the future of GBTC. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Good morning, everyone. Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. I hope everybody's having a great day. Five days till Christmas. What are your plans for Christmas Eve and Christmas? I'm going to my in-law's house. So I'll be over there for Christmas Eve for dinner and then be back in the morning for presents and things like that and Santa. They have a whole thing they do every year. So I'm along for the ride and <laughs> we'll be full of Christmas cheer. Let me know your plans. Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. Hope you get gifted a Bitcoin for Christmas. And speaking of gifted a Bitcoin for Christmas, I hope everybody is self-custody right now. I hope everybody doesn't have uh, coins on exchanges and they are controlling their keys. Remember, not your keys, not your cheese. And if you are looking to self-custody, check out that Ledger Stacks. Look, I just went on YouTube yesterday. I've been a little under the weather, so I've been sitting on the couch watching a lot of YouTube and movies. Um, By the way, I went to go see Avatar. I'll give you my review on that tomorrow. I know you don't care, but... The Ledger Stacks, the new Ledger hardware wallet, was designed by the old designer of the iPod for Apple. They did this whole kind of Apple release with a great video. The guy who designed the iPod also designed the Nest Home like thermostat systems. The thing is designed beautifully, and it uses a touchscreen, e-ink, Qi wireless charging, all kinds of... It's really, really cool looking, and it looks like it's a great piece of hardware. The only thing, my only question with all of this... The old Ledger wallets are simple. They like look like USBs, and they're very easy to use. The simplicity gives me confidence. I know that it's designed for one thing. This thing, it does a lot of things. Does it do all of them well? And the only one thing we want it to do is control your keys and be secure. So the complexity and the variety and the variety of things that it does makes me kind of standoffish of, ooh, does this thing really work like it's supposed to? I don't know. Am I tripping? Matthew, you're crypt.co. Let me know your thoughts, but I think I'm going to pick one up because I think it's a very cool device. And anyway, I just wanted to put that on your radar. Now, let's get those crypto prices on your radar. The time is 10.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have Bitcoin sitting at $16,929, up 1.3% in 24, still down 5.2 in 7. Ethereum's at $1,214, up 2.5% in 24, still down 8.8 in 7. Teller's number 3, USDC is number 4, and Binance is at 250, up a percent in 24, down 10% in 7. Rounding off the top 10, we have BUSD, XRP, Dogecoin, Cardano, and Matic. The total market cap is at $814.4 billion, up around a percent in 24. We have a Bitcoin dominance of 40% even, and an F dominance climbing to 18.3. And our favorite part of the show, obviously, our headlines. The bread and butter, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. 
GPTC. It's hitting deeper discounts day by day as the firm's CEO is now weighing options to shore up investors should the trust fail to get converted into a Bitcoin ETF. As you guys know, Grayscale's GBTC allows more traditional investors easy way to gain exposure to Bitcoin without needing to buy or hodl Bitcoin yourself. Grayscale's CEO said this, If we're not successful in our legal challenge in all applicable courts, and we conclude that there's no possibility of legislative or regulatory clarity that would allow for the conversion of GBTC to an ETF within a reasonable time frame, we would explore other options to return a portion of GBTC's capital to shareholders. In the meantime, Grayscale is now weighing whether to make a tender offer of 20% of the outstanding shares of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. In order to make such an offer, Grayscale will need shareholder approval to amend the GBTC Trust Agreement, which currently does not allow the repurchasing of GBTC. It would also need the SEC to lift certain requirements pertaining to the execution of tender offers. If these approvals happen, then Grayscale expects to continue operating GBTC without an ongoing redemption program until they're successful in converting into a spot Bitcoin ETF. Crypto lender BlockFi has petitioned the U.S. bankruptcy court to allow clients to withdraw cryptocurrencies that are held in its BlockFi wallet accounts. This request does not impact withdrawals or transfers from BlockFi interest accounts, which are set to remain paused at this time, according to a statement. And I just want to clarify this for you. If you use BlockFi, there are two different accounts. You can have your crypto or your stablecoin or your dollars in an interest-bearing account, or you can remove those into just the wallet. And so if you have them in an uh, interest account, that means they're probably lending out your crypto or whatever to whatever they're doing, and they may not even have that in their account. If you have it in your wallet, they're supposed to have your coins or your cash in that wallet. And so there are some people that removed their coins or the crypto from their interest-bearing account and moved it to their wallet. So if you have in your wallet, they're saying, hey, we have these coins, we have this cash, we have the stable coins, just let people withdraw. And that's what they're asking the judge to do. In kind of the same vein, if we're wondering what's happening with all these interest-bearing companies, earlier this month, a judge ordered Celsius to return around $44 million worth of cryptocurrencies to customers, covering only funds that have never touched a flagship interest-bearing service. The fate of its vast majority of the customer funds held by Celsius, the $210 million held within an interest-bearing account, remains unclear. So as you see with Celsius, they have $44 million in a wallet and 210 in an interest-bearing account. So you can see how there's a big difference about how they store their money. BlockFi is probably about the same. But if you have money in your wallet in BlockFi, they're trying to make it so you can withdraw and get your coins or cash back. Moving into some FTX news, the bankruptcy proceedings have warned that campaign donations made by SBF or other executives should be returned. FTX said that they have already been approached by a number of recipients of contributions or other payments made by Sam Bankman-Fried or other officers. These recipients have requested directions for the return of such funds, and FTX said in a statement that they're working with these recipients to secure prompt return of the funds. In the months preceding the collapse of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried made an estimated $46.5 million in political donations. If you guys want to see the Excel sheet of where all those donations went, link is in the show notes. Link of the article is in the show notes, and the link of that Excel is in the article. And that public spreadsheet was made by OpenSecrets.org. And while most of that money went to PACs and nonprofits, it looks as though like $1.26 million has gone directly to Democratic candidates. And long story short, if the politicians don't return this money voluntarily, they're going to go to court and try to get it back. Recipients are cautioned that making a payment or donation to a third party, including a charity, 
in the amount of any payment received from FTX does not prevent the FTX debtors from seeking recovery from the recipient for any subsequent transferee. Meaning that if you got money from FTX in any way, SBF, any other executive, you got to return the money. And giving it to a charity does not mean you return the money. It means that you gave money to a charity and you still got to return the money. And the obvious reason why they're doing that is because you could just be patting a charity for your next election. <laughs> they want the money back so they can give it to the people who lost money in FTX. So who got this money and returned this money? Oh, Beto O'Rourke of Texas, who ran for governor, said he returned $1 million donation to Sam Bankman-Fried a week before FTX filed for bankruptcy. And as we all know, Joe Biden got some money, but he refused and the White House refused to clarify whether it returned any political donations made by SBF or FTX. Carolyn Bordeaux, a Democrat from Georgia, said that the dilemma surrounding Sam Bankman-Fried's campaign spending isn't as simple as returning individual donations. In some cases, the money has already been used to affect elections, meaning that the money was spent in a way to get some people elected. So what, what are you going to do, just return it? And the elections already happened. It already did its job. She continued to say that in political action committees or PACs, that's not something they can refund. Here's an example of billionaires using money he stole and diverted to political contributions. It's an egregious example of corruption in our political system. And look, I just want to continue to say that returning this money isn't as easy as everybody thinks it is. It's just like, hey, give back the money. No, the election is over. People are in office. People spent that money. I, I said this already. If Sam Bankman-Fried gave me $2,900, which is the max contribution for an individual, and it landed in my bank account, it would have been like water in a very hot pan. It would have sizzled away, turned into, <laughs> it would have turned into dust as soon as it hit the bank account because I need the money. I need to spend the money. And for example, one of our neighbor representatives, Chantel Brown, who represents the Cleveland area, she received something like $1.1 million to be her primary opponent, Nina Turner. And this was in ad buys. And this was from SBF. But the thing is, is she didn't personally receive the money. They would say Chantel Brown got this money, but that's because a PAC got this money and allocated this money or earmarked this money to be spent for or against Chantel Brown in a race. That's how you say it. it's like I'm spending a million dollars for this representative. And they ran ads or did mailers or whatever for Chantel Brown. That pack got the money, spent the money on the race, and now she's already in office. Now, does this pack have $1.1 million laying around to pay this money back? Looking at Facebook Meta really quick, Meta stock has dropped over 60% since the company changed its name in October of 2021. The stock was trading at $323.57 per share. Currently, it's around one. 10-ish, 110, 1.12, 1.14, depending on when you look at this or when you hear this. In November, Mark Zuckerberg said that despite the $3.6 billion loss and the subsequent layoff of 11,000 employees, he still has a long-term vision for the metaverse. Reality Labs is the division or the company that is responsible for bringing Mark Zuckerberg's vision to life, and their CTO, Andrew Bosworth, said this, during boom times, it's easy to make big, ambitious investments in what's coming next. But when economic conditions turn, it's just easy to turn the other way and cut back your ambitions, stick with what's safest and the most profitable today, and squeeze as much you can from it. These are the moments that truly test people's belief in the future. And he's talking about how Meta is doubling down on its vision for the metaverse. He continues to say, The value of these technologies will come from how they're adopted by the ecosystem of developers, creators, and builders that have formed around these devices. And finally, Fortnite creator Epic Games was ordered to pay $520 million in settlements to the United States Federal Trade Commission for failing to protect children's privacy in the game 
as well as deceptive practices regarding in-game purchases. So of that 520, $275 million will be paid to the agency for violating Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, or COPA, while the other $245 million will be refunded to the affected users via the FTC over what it calls dark patterns in billing practices. The FTC chair said, Epic used privacy-evasive default settings and deceptive interfaces that tricked Fortnite users, including teenagers and children. And so I was looking to see actually what happened, and here's what happened. They said that Epic Games make it too easy for children to make online purchases, and the FTC took issue with Epic's live text and voice communication features, which were said to be turned on by default. The FTC claims that the children were exposed to harassment and abuse because of these features, especially since Epic had no way of making sure that children and adults were not matched up together in online play. According to the FTC press release, children have been exposed to bullying, threats, harassment, and psychological traumatizing issues such as suicide while playing the game, which is really interesting. Basically, they're playing the game, they have their headset on, they have their microphones on, everybody's talking to each other, and some 40-year-old dude in his basement is matched up with a 13-year-old kid, and the dude's just going there, cussing his ass off and harassing people, whatever, and this kid's just getting this verbal harassment by this grown man. And that was because everything was turned on so that the gameplay could start automatically and everything was default set into, hey, let's get in the game and make sure that this was a good experience. And it looks as though that they didn't even think about that whole dynamic. Have you ever heard people game? It gets brutal. You're going in. I mean, words are flying. And I'm not just saying adults do this, kids do this too. But but there is a point there when you have a matchup of a grown person and a minor in the same room throwing obscenities around. That's an issue. That is a very, very big issue. Epic wrote in a statement, Statues written decades ago don't specify how gaming ecosystems should operate. The laws have not changed, but their application has evolved, and long-standing industry practices are no longer enough. And there we have it again. We have regulators unable to make regulation within the current environment. And so, in the meantime, children obviously are getting impacted mentally. We see that there's financial harm as well. And regulators are still not able to make a framework to allow these companies to operate in an efficient manner for their business and for the well-being of their customers, kids and adults, financially and mentally and mental health. And so we're seeing this across the digital space. Crypto is not being regulated. You're just starting to just throw down fines and still not making frameworks. It seems like gaming is still not being regulated or there's no discussion about how this is supposed to be played out. Just throw down a fine, even though the wake in the wake of these fines are probably mental health issues. We have people's bank accounts probably hurting one way or the other. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that there should be more proactivity and regulation, Matthew, you're in a decrypt.co, or are fines the best way to take care of it? And that's how you get regulation in place that actually makes sense. Both could work, but by levying fines, you're just doing this after the fact, and then you're just building up harm on the way to those fines. That could possibly change the way that things are structured or could not. Let me know what you think. Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. I see pros and cons in both approaches, but I want your opinion. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, leave us a comment, and I'll see you tomorrow and the rest of the days. This week, I'm not taking off Christmas. Why? Because you need something to listen to on your day off. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.